really. You know how many quotation marks are missing on dissertation? Yeah. Which is just and, a... And, and it was seen as plagiarism to, you know, to a degree, but not, but it wasn't plagiarism. It was, oh, I forgot to put a quotation mark there. Or I didn't, I right. saw an oversight here and didn't put a quotation mark. That's a problem. Listen, that's something we have to learn to, we have to watch in terms of how these people do this type of thing to our leadership. Um, listen, it's 9 a.m. Um, going in the NPR. Yes. And I want to urge everybody to please check this out here on WMNF 8.5 Tampa uh, on the Sunday forum. This is your host, Walter Elspeth II, along with the members of the Fourth State crew right here on your radio dial. We'll see you in just a few minutes. WMNF Tampa. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Today marks the 100th day since Hamas militants attacked Israel, killing more than 1,200 people and sparking the war in Gaza. NPR Shaki Northern reports from Tel Aviv on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's vow to continue fighting until Hamas is eliminated. In a speech, Netanyahu warned that Israel will continue fighting in Gaza until it's achieved its goals. He said that includes eliminating Hamas, returning the more than 100 hostages, and ensuring Gaza will never again constitute a threat. Israel has been under increasing international pressure to end the war, which has killed more than 23,000 people in Gaza, according to the health ministry there. Last week, Israel defended itself in the International Court of Justice at The Hague against charges of genocide. Netanyahu said not The Hague, Iran, or anybody else will stop Israel from achieving victory. Jackie Northam, NPR News, Tel Aviv. Thousands marked 100 days of war gathering in Tel Aviv today, calling for the return of the hostages still being held in Gaza. In London, Washington, D.C., and other cities, protesters rallied this weekend in support to the Palestinian people and calling for a permanent ceasefire. House and Senate leaders agreed this weekend to another short-term funding bill to avoid a partial government shutdown. And Paris Dietrich Walsh reports some federal agencies run out of money this Friday. The new stopgap bill leaders agreed to funds some federal agencies through March 1st and the rest of the government through March 8th. This sticks with the two-tiered structure Congress created last year. Another short-term bill gives the House and Senate more time to finish writing legislation to fund federal agencies through the rest of the fiscal year. House conservatives urge Speaker Johnson to ditch the bipartisan deal that set overall spending levels at roughly $1.6 trillion and push for deeper cuts. But he said Friday that deal remains in place. Deirdre Walsh, NPR News. A new poll shows former President Donald Trump still with a big lead heading into the Iowa Republican caucuses tomorrow. But the weather continues to be an issue and turnout on Monday will be the key factor. Nikki Haley spoke to supporters this weekend, urging them to show up. Now, Monday is going to be cold. (laughs) Really cold. Wear layers. Because you might be standing in line. Last night, the final Des Moines Register poll was released. It shows former President Trump still in front at 48 percent. But Haley, for the first time, comes in second place at 20 percent. The harsh weather is not limited to Iowa and Oregon. More than 160,000 customers are without power because of high winds, ice and snow. And conditions in Buffalo, New York, have forced today's NFL playoff game between the Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers to be postponed until tomorrow afternoon. You're listening to NPR News. WNF Tampa. With winter weather setting in across much of the country, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins played a frigid playoff wild card game last night. Reporter Greg Eklund is in Kansas City. The temperature at kickoff was four below zero, the coldest game in Kansas City playoff history, and the fourth coldest ever in the NFL postseason. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes says he didn't want the temperatures to be a hindrance. We had that mentality all week is we're going to go out there and play football. Uh, We know it's cold, um, but we're going to go out there and play football and see what happens. Mahomes engineered a touchdown drive in the game's opening possession, and the Chiefs pulled away in the second half. The Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. 
For NPR News, I'm Greg Eklund in Kansas City. Two former senior U.S. officials arrived in Taiwan today, a day after Lai Qingda of Taiwan's ruling party won the presidential election. The U.S. does not have diplomatic relations with Taiwan, but the de facto U.S. embassy in Taipei says former National Security Advisor Stephen Hadley and former Deputy Secretary of State James Steinberg will be meeting tomorrow with top Taiwan leaders. Earlier, China said a statement from Secretary of State Antony Blinken congratulating Lai on his victory goes against the U.S. commitment to only maintaining unofficial ties with Taiwan. The assigned community of Grindavik was evacuated for a second time in less than a month overnight because of the eruption of a nearby volcano. Video from the site shows fountains of molten rock pouring toward the community. The eruption today came after a swarm of earthquakes. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Lodestar Foundation, inspired by the principle that helping someone else less fortunate is a path to a happier, healthier, and more meaningful life. Learn more at lodestarfoundation.org. Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. Yes, it's a new year and a new season for the monthly Living Mirror Playback Theater shows in the WMNF Live Music Studio. This month, we're exploring the subject of homelessness and hunger. And on Friday, January 26th at 7 p.m., Living Mirror will feature improv enactments of stories from that community and activists working to improve lives. It'll be a compelling evening of community sharing and theater, and these shows are free. So please reserve your seat online at wmnf.org slash events. Hey, Ed, you want to play What If? Sure. How do you play? Easy. Just imagine something that you'd like to see happen. Like having it rain tacos on Tuesday? Or how about a four-hour block of folk and acoustic music on WMNF? You don't have to imagine that. It's happening every Sunday morning, starting at 10 a.m. with Postmodern Nanny, hosted by me, Ed Lehman, featuring new and exciting Americana music along with classic folk favorites. And that's followed at noon for two hours with the Acoustic Peace Club with me, Jeannie Holton, and Nathaniel Cox, featuring the best of folk and singer-songwriters with great topical songs and music that matters. Get your four-hour fix of folk music every Sunday starting at 10 a.m. right here on WMNF Tampa. What about my Taco Tuesday? This ain't the Food Network, Ed. Jazz is alive at WMNF. Tune in Sunday evenings at 8 for Colors of Jazz at our new time, featuring new releases from new artists, old favorites, international jazz from Europe, Asia, and Canada, covering everything from big band swing to bop to fusion. We play it all, plus specials celebrating the music of giants like Ellington, Miles Davis, Pat Metheny, Quincy Jones, Chick Corea, even Frank Zappa. We play the music you'll hear no place else on the radio. Check out our interviews with local jazz musicians. Jazz is what America sounds like, and it's yours to listen to come Sunday evening. If you can't catch us live, play it back from the archives. You can help WMNF now and into the future by donating gifts of stock, real estate, retirement assets, or a life insurance policy. It's easy to leave a legacy of love. Just call Ian at 813-238-8001 or go to WMNF.org slash planned giving to get started today. Right now, you are tuned to the Sunday Forum, taking your telephone calls, 813-239-9663, or you can write DJ at WMNF.org. This is the Sunday Forum, Walter L. Smith II, and the Fourth Estate Crew, Annie Miles, and yours truly, Patro Mobili, here celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Weekend. We're back on the air. Walter, go ahead. 
Go ahead. All right, we're back on the air. Thank you so much for joining yep. us here at the Sunday Forum at WMNF.org, 88.5 FM. Give us a call in. We have any comments about what we're discussing with, um, um, what's her name, Gay, Ken, Claudine? Claudine Gay, that's Claudine president Gay, of Harvard. President of Harvard. Ex-president. Yeah, ex-president, exactly. Um, if you have any comments or discussions on that, give us a call. If you have any comments, as we're also talking about the great Martin Luther King, it's t- um, tomorrow is his birthday. This is the weekend. We want to celebrate him. Give us a call at 813-239-9663. Go ahead, Walter. Uh, yeah, you know, this is just such a, uh, um, 2024 is going to be a great year, I believe. I think that we're going to see an end to all this mess that's happening in Israel. Um especially with the International Court of Justice. Um, um, and despite the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu has made the comments that he's made, which is saying that they're going to uh, continue with the war regardless of what happens, that's going to, you know, that's going to come to an end. And, and I, I don't see it happening any, you know, much longer. Um, but when we see, uh, when we see the types of injustice, man, humanity to man, and the way the people um, treat folks just just it has been terrible. Uh, what we've seen in at Harvard University uh, with this uh, new university president Claudine Gaither now no longer was now long, no longer the president of Harvard. Um, three hundred eighty-seven years, three hundred eighty-seven years of existence, and this happens. Um, so this Bill Ackman, um, you know. There are those people who will look at this, uh, uh, this hedge fund um, representative uh, who is taking a lead on identifying people who are anti-Semitic um, and, and, and going after them. He, he led the charge against Claudine Gay. And, um, you know, they, they pulled this board of, of trustees together who were who are Harvard graduates, many of them, um, and supporters of Harvard University. And they began to question Dr. Gay about her position on these issues surrounding what's happening in Israel. Uh, she neglected, uh, not, not neglected, she refused to make comments about it outside of actually pointing out the fact that students have a right to protest their yeah. right. They claim she was too timid. And what did they expect the people to do, the students who are just using their free speech? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I may not like what some students say, but that's what they have a right to do. And I respect the fact that she was giving them that um, right to do it. I was just telling my Billy, I hate that she resigned because... We give up too easy, you know. I mean, I wish she would have just stood there and fought a little harder. You know, she would have gotten the support that she needed. And it, it is sad that, you know, you want to be, as how, how, how should we say, you, you want to give people the options, as you say, to have their free speech, and then you're penalized for it. You right, know? right. And then they threw on this this uh, political theater at the uh, at in Congress where this representative, Elise Stefani, questioned her this representative from New York, questioned her, and uh, just the, the way she was questioning her was very condescending. Very she was very disrespectful to her, and she was, she was just acting. It was, a, it was theater because she just wanted to throw words around to make her, make the, the presidents of the That's universities crazy. look stupid for not coming down hard on people who were saying things that the Republicans didn't like. So it, it was all just a big act. And people's heads are rolling because Republicans want to put on a theatrical play in Congress all day, every day. Right. right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what happened to this lady. Um, let, let's, and and let's, let's take a look at some of the things that are happening as a result of this. Now, you know, consequences, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if there's a result of it. Um, but we're seeing some things that are happening in other universities regarding this. The statements, for instance, it's been recommended that university presidents not make comments regarding this type of thing. Uh, and she she has complied with that. She did comply with that. 
And I think that she and she did it without having to without um, with before that mandate or before that that recommendation was made. You know, which shows her sensitivity to the point, and which also shows her her uh, her knowledge. You know, she had some common sense. She knew what was mm-hmm. going on. Now, this, you know, that's so that that's that's interesting, and of course, um, they hated that they the Republicans or the conservatives hate she was even chosen in the first place to that's be Harvard's president. Right. Yes. They hate the fact there's diversity, too much diversity. And they hate diversity right now. That's the point right there. Nobody's addressing that fact. You can use any reason that you want to say that that's why they um, was coming after her and what have you. That's why I said I hate that she resigned. Because they had an issue with the fact that she was black. Point mm-hmm. blank, period. Mm-hmm. You know, they had an issue for that from the beginning. So they finally found something that they could, as they say, stick a claw in or whatever, hook in, you know, and you use that. You know, and then she gave in and she resigned. And I wish she really wouldn't have done that because she should have stood for that fight. Right. Because what she was doing was correct. She was giving it, and that's, that's, how, that's how it should be. Why are you trying to stifle these people's voices? Uh, she knows that, probably also knows this is all part of the conservative right-wing reaction mm-hmm. against public education anyways. Even uh, Ivy League education, especially a black person being at Ivy League, it was why the donors were the first to go after her. To get to her to resign, so well, this this guy actually claims to be uh, um, does not claim to be a right wing That's what he claims, but his agenda is still the same. To be uh, Bill Ackerman, uh, the hedge fund manager. This, right, right, right. The hedge fund manager actually said he's going to lead this charge board um, to fight anti-Semitism, and he feels that. Um, he feels that he Claudine Gay is anti-Semitic, <laughs> and, that, and that he is on the and that he is on the left. He feels that he is, he's on the left. He's not a right winger. Um, I think they could go back and forth at yeah. will. Yeah, we have a call on the line. Let's see if they got a comment about this. All right, caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Hi, good good morning. This is Simon from Wakeland. How you doing? Happy New Year. Good morning, Simon. Happy New Year. Well, it's interesting your perspective on the issue of uh, what's considered excellence in in Ivy League education. I don't know if any of you, I I know Walter has a master's degree. I have a master's degree and a doctorate in two different subjects from Marquette University in Madison, Wisconsin. And plagiarism is taken very seriously when you are writing papers. What's in plagiarism? Plagiarism is an instance where you're borrowing without giving credit to your source. Okay, and so let me let, let me step back a little bit. Uh, Claudine Gay uh, had an instance where she did not have a quote that was missing. She was hired after four. Let, let me step back a little. She had four articles written in her body of work before she got tenure at Stanford. In 26 years, she had 11 articles written. 11 articles in 26 years, that's her academic body of work. Now, within that body of work, she had 50 instances, 5-0, of plagiarism. Now, with regard to uh, her situation at Harvard, if you want to look at the issue of race, which I understand this is a black program, if you, you should also introduce her um, view and how she handled Roland Fryer's case, which is an esteemed black economist at Harvard, in which he had, had to go through sexual harassment and she suspended him for two years. This is a black esteemed economist. She also would not renew and demoted a black attorney at Harvard, Roland Sullivan, because, because as Walter says, free speech, as an attorney, he gave consult for one month's work 
to Harvard uh, 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 Weinstein. She fired him. They demoted him, and he no longer became dean at the undergraduate residence. So this is not, per se, a black issue. She should have never been hired as a president. There are far more esteemed black academics out there that could have been hired. In fact, they should look at Roland Fryer, the black economist, as a potential president. But do you know whether or not those people wanted those jobs when she was hired? Maybe she was the only one who wanted that job and applied for it and got it. And I would think I that I would I think know. that Harvard had vetted her before they hired her in regards to the plagiarism factor that you're mentioning. Uh, if you're stating that she didn't cite where she got her information from, I would believe they would have vetted her prior to hiring her if they were going to use that as an issue. Well, did they, did they not vet her? No, don't put on. Did, did, did they not vet? I mean, the. There has I, to be a vetting like process. Said, I thought they would have vetted her on that on that type of thing. That, exactly. So what, what, Simon, what is your, what's your knowledge of that? Penny Pritzker, who's the, the Harvard Board Corporation, who's, uh, she's the one who pushed for the hiring of, uh, of uh, Claudine Gay. Why? Because her, because her body of work was in uh, uh, divestment, equity, and inclusion. And, and, and I, I just want to say one other thing real quick. If, if Walter, who, who's a graduate of FAMU, is that concerned about black achievement and advancement in education in this country and is concerned about what happened at Harvard? I'd like to know what your opinion is when Sam Yu and FSU College of Engineering just hired in 2022 12 new black, um, 12 new professors for the engineering department and I don't believe one of them is black. Let, let me be. Let me, let, uh, that's a very uh, Simon. That's a very good question. That's a very good question. Are you aware? Are you aware of that? I, I'm aware right? of that. I'm aware of that point. I'm aware of that point. Um, well, where, where are you so, on so that let, issue? Let me, let me let me respond. Let me respond to that, Simon. I'm not happy about it. Okay. Um, I feel that there there are there probably I don't know what the what the process was. Uh, by which they, they chose these people. But uh, what I do tell, what I will tell you is I'm not very happy about it because you don't have many black professors at the family of you College of Engineering, number one. Number two, you're also speaking to the son of the man who founded the College of Engineering. Um, and I can tell you that one of the things that was, that was my father's um, heartbeat was to make certain that you had an increase in the number because that was, that was the reason why the school was established was to find more black engineers that could that could uh that could be in the marketplace uh into uh, as we went forward in this country um in technology now let, let me let me let me take a step back um i i have been very concerned with that issue at family very concerned with that issue at family um just as i would be concerned about that issue anywhere else but let me um, let, let me let me be clear about um, about this thing over at Harvard. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is and how it is that this that uh, the, the situation with Claudine Gay got to where it got to. There's something wrong with that. There's something seriously wrong. Um, this is Harvard University, okay? And I have a real hard time thinking or believing in any way that this type of thing just kind of slips through the cracks. And um, what was described, what I read in this article, not to find it again, but what I read in this article actually um, regarding that implied that that the that the actual um, plagiarism in question had to do with a quote, like a quotation or something like that, that was that was missing. Now, I don't know, again, I, I go back to say that I did read an article that said that I'm going to find that article, I'm going to, to say where I, what it is. 
Um, but the point still remains. How in the world could somebody who's considered to be so, um, if, if she was such a horrible academic, how does he end up being president? Or even considered to be president? And it, and it, was, it, it couldn't just be that because of her homegirl who was in the who was in HR just decided to hire her as president. That didn't happen. That happened some some other way. I, it had to happen some other way. That she was not just made to be uh, president of Harvard. That doesn't just happen like that. And again, you would have to believe that there's some type of, some form of vetting process, yeah. you know, in her body of work. As you say, she's coming from Stanford and so forth. So that should have been bought way before she even um, got the position, you know. So there had, there's something missing in, in between then and now. I'm sorry. It just, it just it's not adding up together. It might just be in the eye of the beholder. I'm looking at some of the plagiarized work they claim, and... One of the people cited is a guy named David Cannon, who is another scholar, and they were talking about the Voting Rights Act, and they're claiming she lifted his words verbatim, and it's not true, except for where there is a definable word, which you you don't normally put in your own words anyway. You define it as it's supposed to be defined. Right. So, right. you know, I think right. this was overkill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's what happened. So just like I mentioned earlier, the the what I read in that article pointed out that it was something that was so minuscule that it, it wouldn't have even mattered. Like a, a quotation, a quotation, really. That's that's you know how many how many university professors even have a body of work. The, the, let me go back. Do you know how many university professors actually have a body of work? <laughs> They, they don't even have university professors who have body of work right now, like that. Like, like they're just like they they have degrees, but they don't have any several bodies of work, three, four papers that have been anywhere. I mean, so I don't understand. I just I'm I'm trying to comprehend that this this is it makes no sense. So I mean, you know, maybe you know if you show me something, Simon. That you know that shows something that's more severe than what Mabili just pointed out. I mean, he went to the actual that's the actual paper. So mm-hmm. you can find something else, Simon, that 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 uh, solidifies what you're saying. You know, I have something to, to go by. Right. You know, but honestly, you know that that's just not. I can't go with that. That's just you know. Or it's just all the overkill. I mean. The conservatives get away with murder. It's like even just showing up because you were subpoenaed, uh, you're supposed to get locked up if you don't go to a congressional subpoena, I suppose. But how many times did Republicans refuse to respond to a subpoena when the Democrats called for one during the impeachment process yeah. especially they would just routinely oh, say I'm not going. Exactly. I think all of them are saying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not responding. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I wouldn't have gone in the first place. I would not have even responded to that theatrical attempt to, you know, put me on the on the hot seat for their political purposes. I would not have even showed up, and I just would have took my hits. But and I definitely wouldn't have resigned. But she says she basically resigned because she wanted to, she wanted to take, didn't want to give these demagogues an excuse to continue to go after. Uh, you know, the Ivy League school. I think at some point it, it was more so of her probably want to just keep her life to herself, you know, because if they dig in, the, if they get in that, that um, petty, <laughs> yeah. when they get in that petty, that's yeah, is they're going to constantly keep digging for more stuff. So there's some underlining factors here because, again, I can't believe that you got hired at Harvard and there's no vetting process. And the only thing that you can come up with after six months or what have you is plagiarism. I mean that, uh, that that that's just too that's just, just too minor. I'm sorry. I just got some information from listeners uh, that are sending me messages. Uh, one listener is pointing out that the man that led the charge against President Gates, um, uh, Ackerman, uh, Ackerman, Ackerman, yeah, uh, yeah, his wife is accused of plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> so what's he gonna do wow. about her? Is he gonna? Yeah, what's he gonna do about her? What's he gonna do about your wife? 
this um our own outlook questions with you know with the sources that that uh that Simon that Simon uh is getting this stuff from regarding the, the more specific yeah. sources of this this whole thing. I you know, again I, I point out the fact that thank you Alvaro and thank you um I think it was Connie. That was Connie Burton. Uh, but uh, thank you for pointing those things out. I mean, yeah, I, I would like to know where that information came from regarding regarding uh, the very gosh, that was Simon. Send us your sources so we can see where you got that information from. Yeah, that very, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that was, that was a very uh, detailed. That was some very detailed information. Exactly. Um, so yeah, tell us what that source is. I like to know what it is. Uh, so yeah, so this, this thing with with, with Claudia Gay is bad. Um, let, let me move to another situation that I didn't know was happening. If there's anybody out there who is a, a member or uh, uh, attended as is a graduate of Lincoln University, um, please please get in contact with us. Um, we have a situation here that has occurred where. There is, I didn't know there was a white president of HBC. You know, um, so that's the first thing. Uh, but this is Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. Um, Dr. John Mosley is his name. And he is accused of bullying a professor to the point, uh, a black professor, to the point of her committing suicide. Oh, my God. Mm. Goodness. Okay. Um, and I want to make sure she's a professor. Or not just a staffer, but anyway, the country and, and, and whether it's a staffer or not, my line is committed suicide. Um, calls for white calls for white president HBC to resign after official takes light, citing bullying. Um, this is this is written by uh, Jeremiah House. Uh, the the country is calling for the immediate resignation of white president of the white president of a historically black university after one of its staff members died by suicide reporting bullying from him. Dr. John Mosley, the president of Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri, has been placed on voluntary paid administrative leave after Dr. Antoinette Bonnie Candia Bailey died by suicide after she expressed immense distress from bullying and severe mistreatment. She had seen the vice president, she had been, excuse me, the vice president of, so, of student affairs a third party now is in the case and will eventually uh, is now in the case and will eventually make a recommendation after the investigation concludes. Um, wow. This is not good. A publication covering historically black college university. Um, this is HBCU Buzz is the is one of the one of the sources of this information. The investigation will focus on mental health and person and personnel concerns. The university it was reported with the board releasing a statement about Dr. Kamia Bailey's um, tragic death. As a board, we are committed to making certain the mental health of Lincoln University employees is a priority, and that every employee is always treated with dignity and respect. Victor Paisley, the president, um, said in a statement. The basically the board president. The board is as confidence in the leadership team we have at Lincoln, but as we all work together to serve students at the university community, this review will fully examine the important questions, concerns, concerns, and gather facts. It continued. Dr. Mosley uh, agrees that these issues uh, should be examined and uh, volunteer to go on leave during review so they can be move, they can move forward in a fully independent way. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's saying the same thing that her her um when she was telling him about it, she was unsupported, it was disregarded, and when she was telling him about the abuse that she was receiving, she contacted him countless times regarding his harassment, and nothing was done. Wow. And you got to re remind, we have to remind ourselves that these people are still workers who, at the end of their working career, will get a a a, a, a pay package a you know, pension and and you're gonna you're gonna if you're gonna fire somebody early on in their career like we did, 
they did Claudine Gay. I'm pretty sure that was a, a tenure revocation, if she ever even got tenure. And these kinds of things can have an impact on your retirement. And I can see why somebody would feel distressed to the point of suicide. So my heart goes out to that person because somebody decided they wanted to make some political points by bullying them. Yeah, and I applaud the students because actually it says a dozen students protested at the university at the um, board of curators, you know, telling them that he, this man needs to be replaced. There needs to be a change in um, leadership. So that's good. He was the head basketball coach at the university before he assumed the DA, uh, director of athletics or AD, um, role in 2015. Then he made his way up to the office of the presidency last year. Uh, even before that, um, I didn't even know that we had uh, <laughs> that we that there were any white people who were leading these black institutions. I had no idea. Wow. Let me tell Okay, so this is a statement from one of the alumni, Sherman, bon- Sherman Bonds. He was the president of the Lincoln University National Alumni Association. And he wrote a letter to the um, board of curators stating in regards to that change of leadership. And he stated, and I quote, okay, <laughs> oh, wow. I find myself standing in the state of hopelessness. Bonds wrote in a the letter, therefore, my appeal to you. And the Board of Curators is to find a resolution that restores that consciousness of peace and healing. The universal's institutional care has been breached. The present um, administration has become a liability to the mission and health of the institution. That's deep. Wow. You know, so that, that's telling something has really been going on there. It hasn't been spoken out until, unfortunately, her suicide. Isn't that something? Right. One user wrote, I remember asking why a white man was presiding over HBCU. And I'll be hot damned, H-O-D, H-O-T, damned. Another said, Dr. Bonnie deserves so, so much more. Please watch, repost, and take action. Um, Oh, wow. this, he, he also said... He's going to catch it up with this one, boy. He, and, and, and so they should. And so they yeah. should. Um, <laughs> not a white man. Another post says, not another white man being president at HBCU. No, I'm sorry, not another one. Says not a white man being president of HBCU bully a black woman to suicide and had the audacity to be married to a black woman. Mm. Wow. So he's just wow. trying to control <laughs> black women, sound like to me. Like, wow. So I wonder if his wife was probably an alumni of um of the institution and she probably helped him get that position. Um Barnes also wrote that um Claudine Bailey, she was a very passionate leader and committed to the students and to the university. So you have to kind of think these issues that she was having with this individual became so severe. And the fact that she did bring it to I guess the board's attention and again it was unsupported. You know, nothing was done. You have to think of the mindset. How, so how? What was he saying or doing to her that take her to that point to take her own life? You know, uh, that has to be something severe. And it couldn't have been something that just happened spontaneously. You know, this has been something that's been leading up. You know how they say pressure bust pipes. You know, <laughs> so this has been something that's been leading up, and no one was listening to her cries. No one was listening to what she was saying was going on with this man. Well, I mean, plus, given the fact that this is all part of the anti diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that have been going on. These people have hated these DEI specialists who've been coming into the schools and coming into workplaces telling them that they're not diverse enough and there's a a need for a white backlash, you know, against DEI activities and the universities have become, you know, almost a center point for all of that. And I'm pretty sure that before her suicide, she understood that fight as well. So it's almost as if you're put in a box. And just like Claudine Gay says, she was she was put into a way laid trap, a, a well laid trap, when she responded to the, wow. <laughs> to the uh, subpoena. So you know, I think that we need to recognize the agenda that is at play here. You know, this backward agenda. I want to ask. I, I want. I'm sorry, Walter. I just want to add one more thing. She did, and I mean, this is a quote again. I'm getting it. Um, that was in the News Tribune, Tribune, excuse me, and stated that before she died, Bailey sent an email to those both on and off campus, including Mosley, in which she called the university president a bully, 
with a callous and evil soul who joked about her mental health. Okay? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, so, you know, he had to be really doing something to her mentally messing with her. And this was, this was sent, according to the newspaper, this was sent at 6.15 a.m. on Monday. And a copy of the letter was a copy of the letter was given to News Nation, okay. And Mosley went. She said their relationship from that point on went downhill after her family medical leave because um, she was on leave for a while, disabilities. And she said she submitted to them her severe depression and anxiety. And she wrote and she asked Mosley for help several times, but he ignored her request by failing to respond to her emails. When she went to um, a face to face, Mosley danced around the topic. Exactly. So she said even during one evaluation that she left in tears. So that tells you yeah. that she was reaching out for help and mm-hmm. nothing was being done. Uh, so just so you know, a little, just a tad bit more here. Um, he's married, he is married to a black woman, um, Dr. Crystal Mosley, who is an assistant, pres- assistant professor at Lincoln University. Mm-hmm. Just the point, you know, just the point of of that. I, I'm sitting looking at a picture of, of the uh, of them on the thing on the uh, thing here, and it, it I mean, wow, it just, it just doesn't. Yeah, to 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 know that he's married to a black woman, and then the accusation of this happening right now. Um, being the case, uh, you know, being being the, the accusation is being made. That's disturbing. That's very disturbing. And I hope that, like you said, maybe the, the issue of DEI, um, you know, mm. reaching at or, or, or its position or its uh, existence at HBCUs, um, this is this certainly is going to is, is is going to play a very serious role in how DEI is established or how it's, it's practiced at HBCUs. Well, that that's a that's a good a good point. Unfortunately, it had to come at such a um at such a cost, you know. Uh-huh. But she she did, and this is my point. That's why I keep on reiterating it: the fact that she continued to reach out to every to anyone, basically, would listen, and nobody responded. She told one of her coworkers. This university is not going to kill me. And they asked her, what do you mean by that? She said, it's not like it was when we were here. It has so many issues and so much corruption, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you have someone that's constantly saying these things to you, constantly making statements and telling you it's doing something and nothing's being done and you're saying it to the head, you know, and not to be that—that tells you something is wrong. So they need to have this. This man needs to be dis- removed. But I think the family should sue him if they can make that connection. That case that her suicide was due to his bullying. Mm. Yeah. So, and I, I know that we are getting close to the end of the show, but I also want to bring up another attack on another black woman for white political gain, and that is the attack on Fannie Willis the district attorney of Fulton County, who's charged with prosecuting, you know who, (laughs) for his election theft attempt in Fulton County. Uh, uh, Now they're trying to use a personal attack on her and her co-prosecutor, a man named Nathan Wade, that they're now claiming she has an affair with. And that's supposed to be something to stop the case. And uh, I don't think they're going to get their wish because two co-prosecutors is not a bad, is not anything bad. I would say if it was a prosecutor and a defense attorney in a relationship, but these are two prosecutors. (laughs) They can talk about the case all day as far as I'm concerned. So there's a non-issue here, but they're attempting to go after these people, after Fannie Willis, for prosecuting Trump or you-know-who. So oh, man. Listen, that's where I, we are. Well, okay. So that is, they need to leave that lady alone. Uh, yeah. Leave her they need, but they need justice. They need to start calling for justice on the right. You know, the, yeah. they're always going after those on the left and those who are black, but and especially women, yeah. black women. Oh yeah. But they do nothing. They think black. Uh, they think white men are above the law. 
Well, it, Point it, it's, blank. it's always been like that. As yeah. you as you stated, right. Billy, we are getting towards the um, end of the hour. We do have a call on the line, Walter. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take the call. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday forum. Oh, excuse me. I I'm sorry. I uh, I was just listening, but I I was just wondering. Um, can I can I text this number to send a message um, for for music uh, selection? Oh yeah, you can. You, not this number. Go ahead and if you can get online, DJ at WMNF.org. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. This is the Sunday Forum. Okay, so as we call, as we're coming to a close, we've had an um, awesome um, show today. We discussed the great Martin Luther King. We know his birthday is tomorrow. This is his weekend. We celebrated his wife as well, Coretta Scott King. Again, because behind every great man, there is a great woman. Uh, we also celebrate his granddaughter Yolanda because she spoke out and she's continuing to speak out in regards to what he wanted for us and you know what we should all want for each other. You know, is to move forward, we have that dream. You know, get that equality, that freedom, that success. All of that comes together and we do that by letting our voices be heard by voting by standing up for what we said what we believe to be right by opening up our mouths and taking taking action so hopefully this show again always has sparked something has informed you have educated you and we always look forward to you um tuning in to us at wmnf.org 88.5 fm we're here every sunday morning from 8 a.m to 10 a.m walter smith annie miles and mobili Please feel free to give us a call back at 813-239-9663. Go ahead, Walter. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot going on down there, and I, I, I'd be remiss. Um, and I, I know Dr. King would definitely, definitely want to do a couple of things regarding this particular issue. Um, first of all, uh, the what we're seeing on the continent of Africa regarding the AU, the African Union, mm-hmm. and its growth. It is growing, and it is, it is growing very quickly. And I'm very happy to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm also happy to see is it's taking positions and stances regarding the violence and human rights violations that are happening in these respective countries, whatever they might be. Uh, I, I, I want to see more regarding the Congo, especially. Yeah, which is suffering uh, flooding know, this morning, yeah. Right, I know people hear me talk about the Congo quite a bit. Um, the Congo is a, um, is a very serious in all the issues that there are very serious issues, but this particular issue is one that is disastrous. If it is not handled appropriately, it will be disastrous. Um, uh, the AU is going is likely to take a stronger stance this year regarding the Congo. We have a new president there uh, that we that's, that's in the Congo now uh, through democratic election and. We're hoping that that will come out well, right? In terms of his, in terms of his uh, uh, his election and his actual presidency, um, the the type of human rights things that are taking place there all have to do with the mining situation in the Congo, the natural resources that are taking place uh, that they're being stolen, steal from that country uh, and from that region. And we have got to, even as black Americans, we've got to pay attention to that. We must not be distracted by, uh, by other countries and things like that right now. Not, not to say that we shouldn't voice our opinions or be involved with what's going on in other countries. Uh, What I will say is that we have got to make certain that we are paying attention to our countries and our continent and what's going on there. If we are not going to do it, nobody else is going to do it. But trust me when I tell you, other people are. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very serious things happening regarding Chinese, uh, the Chinese presence there. Uh, it is not all good. Um, although we've seen some benefits there, there are some very ominous issues 
very ominous issues mm-hmm. that are being that, that we have to consider, and I will discuss that on another show. Uh, but when we talk about this new president, Felix Shikedi, um of the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, he's the new president there, mm-hmm. and we hope that he is going to be the the shining star of the heart of Africa. We've got to see some changes there and hope that we'll see the type of change that we see even in Burkina Faso um, with, the, with the president there, Burkina Faso, who has made it very clear um, that we, that French number one is going to be, is no longer going to be the official language. Uh, that the French uh, operations were going to cease and that they were going to produce they were going to uh, produce and um, uh, prepare their own uranium and sell it on the market themselves. Uh, the natural resources of the country need to be controlled by the country and the people of the country uh, in a market that's, that's there, not by an international market that takes from the country, takes resources, and gives nothing back. You know, that's colonialism, that's neocolonialism, and that's what we're seeing in the Congo region and uh, other places in, in, uh, in Africa, but especially in the Congo. Um, so, folks, I ask that you please pay attention to that. I ask that you read about it. I ask that you uh, voice your opinion on it, form an opinion about it, and uh, that we do something, that we do something. Uh, talk to other, if you are part of a chamber of commerce, talk to other chambers of commerce about how they can do business in these areas, in these regions, um, and uh, uh, go on mission trips there in other countries there to find out how we can do business in those countries uh, that will be helpful to their growth and development and help us with our pan-Africanism efforts as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. I encourage it. I'm 100% behind it, and it needs to be done. Uh, so, folks, let me just say, I thank you on this Martin King uh, weekend. Uh, please be safe. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Yes. As always, from my voice to the radio way to the hearts and the minds of each and every one of you, we love you. Yes, and there's we do. one single solitary thing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Peace to everybody out there. We'll see you next time. I suppose there's nothing else to be said. <laughs> no, we, 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 we hit on everything. I appreciate everybody that was listening to us. I do want to say again, get out there and vote. I know they're doing a um, caucus in um, Iowa this weekend, right? Yeah. Come, coming tomorrow. So get out there and vote. Let your voice and everything be heard. Like Walter say, we, we're here for you. We appreciate you. We love you. There's nothing you can do about it. But we want to make sure that we are constantly and continuously sparking change. And hopefully with that change that we're trying to give to you, that you give it to someone else. Share what you've heard, share share things that you know is going on in your community, and just reach out, because it's all about helping one another. As you climb that ladder, remember, put your hand out, reach back, and lift someone else up. Well, because, you know, we still have so much more time, and the call is coming in. Right. Caller, do you have anything to add to the Sunday Forum? Uh, yes, uh, I just want to remind people to read Dr. King's It's Time to Break the Silence. Because I think it's appropriate for the war in Gaza, which yes. it sets the setting for a lot of this attack on university presidents and mm. other things. Um, I think Dr. King would support the ceasefire. Yeah, we're getting some feedback in the background from you, but I hear what you're saying. Right. What, what was the name of that that book again? Okay, it says his... Turn your radio down, sir. Yes, I'm trying. <laughs> there we go. Okay. I forgot, it. I forgot it's still on. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's the night that he, that he gave on the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Beyond Vietnam, it's time to break the silence. Yes. And time to break the that's silence. That's when he was 
that's when he was so outspoken against the war, sort of apologizing for not speaking out earlier. Earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and th- this war is, is the setting for a lot of the going after the university presidents. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the de- that was definitely the issue that they exploited to get her to lay that trap for her and the other presidents. Right, right. So uh, I I just uh, I was at the Martin Luther King Gala, and different speeches were quoted about King, but that one wasn't, and I, it just clicked in my mind as I was leaving. I better talk to people. Uh, read that speech. Read that speech. And uh, somebody, when I told that to somebody, they said, "Well, back to the Iraqi War, we had a protest in Pasco County, and somebody read that speech, but they put Iraq name every place that he mentioned Vietnam." Well, I think we can do the same thing and put Gaza in that speech. Beyond Vietnam, a lot of people suppose that. That's what put him in the crosshairs of the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though the person who ended up shooting and killing Dr. Martin Luther King was just some Joe Blow that just wanted to shoot a shot for white supremacy. But, yeah, yeah we know that that yeah. Beyond Vietnam speech was was quite an important speech in his whole repertoire of speeches. Right, right. And, and it tells so much. I mean, I... I heard it way back, and then I read it again recently, and it's just, uh, and then listened again, uh, you know, uh, and it's so profound, his understanding of the whole situation was, uh, and we need to see it, not just pick and choose the speeches we like that fit. You know. Right, the ones they chose for us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream, which means it's right. still going to be a dream no matter how long you live. Right. Yeah, and then that that's really important. But you, you think about all his speeches they did. It, it was for the times that we needed it, but I agree with you. That one that you're speaking of is very important because it kind of like gives you a whole background of why he started standing up for what he was standing up for or for us. And we appreciate that. We have another call on the line, Billy. Okay, yes, thank you. Thank you, thank caller. You. Go ahead. Call her you on the Sunday Forum. You're the last word. Yeah. I just wanted to commend you all for the way that you handle certain callers because I know for me, being a codependent survivor, Mm. (laughs) um, being told what I should be feeling or doing is always great. Mm. Not. (laughs) 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 Um, I mean, yes, you you know, you never know what someone is doing behind the scenes and to propose that you know what they should be doing is always um just always sticks because i definitely was told more than often than i'd like to admit what i should be doing or how i should be feeling and um how i was responsible for other people's feelings which we know we're not but really quick i heard over the weekend um the photographer that used to photograph Martin Luther King and um, the most famous photographer, and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he um, was found out to be an FBI informant. Mm. So, and he was informing the FBI on everything while he was in the inner circle. Mm. But I just thought, you know, before we attack him, to think about what he must have, the position he was in as a black man in the or 40s and 50s, and if the FBI approaches you and says, hey, we need you to do this, well, what do you think he would have done? I mean, if he had said no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right, especially given who was at the helm of the at FBI. Time. Exactly, <laughs> right. at that time. J. Edgar. Yeah. J. Edgar Hoover. And, and the part that's so sad, and thank you so much for giving us the information, caller. Um, thank you for calling. The sad part about this, that's what they do. They'll put people in your inner circle to infiltrate you, you know, to get dirt oh, yeah. on you and whatnot. And it's so sad because, you know, they're threatening either their, their lives, their family, or them, their incarceration or something to use that as a method of getting you to give them information. 
So always yeah. be aware of that. And I do want to make one comment in regards to what the caller say. You're right. We can't tell people what to do. What we do is advise you that it's always going to be something positive. So whatever we say on this show, it is to uplift. And again, to uplift, enrich, inform, and educate you on how you can make a change. Because it starts with each and every one of us. And we continue to pass that on. So we are now at our last minute. We want to thank you again for joining us on this Sunday forum, WMNF.org, 88.5 FM, every Sunday morning from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Walter Smith, Annie Miles, and Mobili. We are the fourth estate, and we truly appreciate you guys. And as Walter always close out, we love you, and there's nothing you can do about it other than love someone else. Just pass <laughs> on the blessings. Have a good one. Post Martin Hoot Nanny is coming your way next following headlines from National Public Radio News. Keep it tuned to WMNF Tampa.